Boy, I hope you're still, I hope you're still not over it. Man, God's good, isn't he? You think about just, uh, just his heart for you and I, just his willingness to die on the cross. You know, he did all of that because he loved you and I. Boy, he loved the whole world. I'm just so glad. I hope you don't get over it ever. And uh, this morning, we're going to just continue on. And we read there about the Lord Jesus and just, um, just this, uh, this story of him as, a, as really a young man, uh, a boy in his uh, early life here on earth. And uh, as any parents would, they, Mary and Joseph, they worried about where Jesus was. And, and yet we read there where they found him, he was having some discussions with those who were doctors of the law. There he was in the temple, just speaking of, of things that probably when they observed in this, this boy, just was, was beyond the, the maturity that he should have shown. You know, we understand who the Lord Jesus is, and we've been talking in the last couple of weeks about our words, and I hope we've been mindful of the fact that our words matter, that as we speak and as we uh, express one to another, uh, the, the things that that uh, that come to our hearts, that all of those have been pleasing to the Lord. We understand that words, they can make or break us and those around us, and words can influence in the most profound ways, both good and bad. We've learned that words come from the heart, and hence we must take care of our heart condition. We understand that our words just don't come out by accident, that they reveal the true condition within and we've seen that our tongues, as we saw last week, and therefore our words must come under subjection of the Holy Ghost. And our words, when left uncontrolled, unconstrained, and ill-contained, is an unruly evil, the Bible says, set on fire of hell. Yet, when under the right control, can be greatly utilized and evidences maturity in the part of the speaker. So we're going to ask now, what, what does the Bible have to say about our words to ensure that we have the best usage of them. Um, we, we already mentioned that every idle word you're going to give an account for one day. And so you, you think about someone who's ever present to hear every part of your conversation, whether it's whispered or spoken out loud, that would be God himself. And we will give an account for every word. And, and so we see that the Bible has some recommendations as far as what our speech needs to be and indeed, there's, a, there's, a, there's an understanding here that really our, the way we speak really sets us apart. We see here again in Luke chapter 2, in, uh, in verse 40, uh, 46, that he, they both hearing them and asking them questions. So here the Lord Jesus, as a young boy, was having conversations with these that were in the temple. Notice verse 47, and that, all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. So they were amazed at the fact that he could hold his own, he could have a conversation. And I think we would all be surprised if there was a, you know, if there was, there was young people who are well-spoken, they often stand out from the rest. You know, I think sometimes we, val we have a, a different value set to the things that, we ought to be valuing in others. Sometimes we, we value the physical prowess in others. 
as a, as a, really as a nation, we look at our sports people. We marvel at their physical attributes to be able to, you know, overcome um, uh, the opposition. We, we look at people's strengths. And, and yet sometimes the thing that God values is simply how well we speak. And we see here that the thing that set apart the Lord Jesus was his words, how he spoke, the, the characteristics of his speech. In Luke 4.22, and all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? They kept reasoning within their humanity. Why is he so well spoken? Why is it that the things that come out of his mouth seem to be so powerful, so right, so excellent? Well, we see it's because he's the Lord Jesus. But the point is this, the point of difference with himself and others that, that strode this earth was this, that the Lord Jesus spoke well. He, he spoke words that were uh, we're, we're full of principles from the Word of God because we understand He is the Word. And yet this morning, I want to I encourage you and I want to remind you that, that we're supposed to be Christ-like in every way. And so because of that, we ought to consider how we speak, how well we speak. And there, there's many things that the Bible has to say about that, um, and we're going to cover some of that this morning. You know, see, the Bible teaches us a couple of laws that ought to govern the way we speak with one another. You know, the Bible is full of, of, of advice. It's full of commandments. And if we allow the Word of God to instruct us, it's, it really covers every facet of life, every area of life. And we ought to take great care to examine what the Word of God has to say about our own words. And we're going to take in, into account some of these laws, some of these rules these not only should be observed, but it should be kept in our hearts so that we can become more and more like the Lord Jesus, because that's really the end goal of man. All right, we're going to pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless, and we'll get into the, the message this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you, dear Lord, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for the example that you set during your time here on earth. And we understand, dear God, that, Lord, you did everything in, in purpose. You, you're, uh, Lord, perfect in every way. And Father, included in that is the way you communicated, the way you spoke. And yet, Lord, when we, we go through Scripture and we look through it, dear God, we see that, Lord, you, you exemplify it. And then you give us, Lord, the ability, even today, to, to follow these, dear God, and to be like you. And Lord, that's your great desire for us, is that you would refine us to be more like you. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning, Lord, as we, we observe Scripture, as we go through these, that you would just, um, Lord, speak to our hearts where we need to be where we need to be corrected, where we need to improve and grow. And then help us, dear God, then to please you with our words. And we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. Uh, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 16. And, and if you can, keep your finger in the book of Proverbs. We'll mainly be here this morning. And, you know, I, I like the, the last verse there where the, the Bible spoke about he grew in wisdom. And he grew in favor with both God and man. And we see here that, that the great book of wisdom, we know the whole scripture is wisdom, but we see that the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom, and it's a good habit for us to go through it, um, you know, very, very regularly for a long time. I read the proverb for the day, 
often when young people ask me, where do I start? Hey, read the proverb for the day, whatever, whatever the date is. Like today's the 21st, read the 21st proverb. But we see that the, the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, gave a lot of instruction as far as our speech. And in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24, the Bible just simply says this, Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. You know, words bring health. When we speak with pleasantness, when we speak in a way that would be honoring to the, the, the principles of Scripture, if we're principled in that way, then it just gives health. When, when we don't observe the things that the Scriptures give us, we understand that it, it causes hurt and injury. And so much could be avoided if we would just take heed to the Word of God. And notice the first area that we're going to focus on today is the frequency of our words. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, quickly turn there, and again, we'll, we'll stay mainly in the book of Proverbs. Notice verse 19, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. Notice what the Bible's advising us this morning. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. You know, when we speak volumes of words, there's a tendency for there to be no lack of sin. When we're, we're, we're too frequent, when our words are out of control and we just sort of speak what comes to mind, then, then there's a tendency for, for us to bring ourselves to a place of sin. When you speak, and how often you speak is one of the greatest disciplines we can learn regarding our words. Someone once said this, you can't learn nothing with your mouth open. And, and the word wanteth in our, in our verse here means to lack. That means a person who speaks too often and too uncontrollably is likely to sin. I think this verse is speaking about a person who is, is, is idle with their words. Someone who speaks for the sake of speaking. This perhaps is the young person who speaks without listening. This is the spouse who just must get a word in edgewise. This is the person who just won't discipline their tongue or sometimes won't discipline their fingers from typing something and communicating whatever comes first in their head. But I want to remind you again that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account. See in 1 Timothy 5.13, And withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. They're just talking too much. And you know, you, you ever been around someone that you're in a conversation, but... They're not really talk, they're, there's not really a conversation. It's really one way. You're, you're speaking and then they're talking over you. I, I had a friend years ago, and he's still my friend today. But I had a friend, he just, that was just his habit. You're talking and suddenly he's talking over you. And, and you're just having a conversation really with no one. Because <laughs> he's really just saying what he, whatever comes to mind. And, you know, I think it's also alarming amount of idleness that people have in conversation on phone, on text, on chat, and social media. There's so many different avenues in which we can communicate now, and yet sometimes just because it's there doesn't mean we should use it. Doesn't mean that we just go because it's, it's, um, it's something that's convenient. And we've got to beware with idle, unplanned conversations 
Why? Because the Bible's advising us here this morning that with the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. Now listen, don't just call someone for calling someone's sake. Have a, have a plan in mind. Unplanned conversations can sometimes lead to gossip. It can lead to subjects that should never be spoken about. You know, someone said this, that weak minds talk about people. Average minds talk about things and great minds talk about ideas. And there's two rules that, that speak about our frequency in words that in the Bible that will help us. In, notice Proverbs chapter 17. Look at Proverbs 17 now and notice verse 27. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Notice, notice how those, those two things are aligned. You know, how, how well and how often we use our words equates to someone who has an excellent spirit. And here the, the rule that we're going to see is, is simply this, speak sparingly. Speak sparingly. You know, quality is always greater than quantity when it comes to our words. And here the Bible saying, he that hath knowledge spareth his words. It's not someone who, who speaks volumes or a voluminous amount of words that is wise. It's someone who speaks sparingly, who, who is targeted with their usage of words, who, who, who speak with purpose, not just because there's nothing to say and there's, there's a gap to fill. And, and he that hath knowledge spareth his words. But notice that these two things, again, are tied together. One who spares his words is not only full of understanding and knowledge, he has an excellent spirit. And really what I think this is speaking about is just the idea that, that sometimes in communication we have to speak. You know, the best part of good communication is actually listening. It's taking the time, not talking over each other. You know, there's some households, it just seems to be that's just their mode of conversation. Whoever is the loudest gets heard, right? And yet the Bible's advising, no, it should be the opposite. You know, the, if you have knowledge, you spare your words. You know, it, you ought to be one who is quick to listen. In, in James 1.19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Notice that. You can say, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You know, if you're swift to speak, usually you're swift to wrath too. But if you're swift to hear and you're slow to speak, you're slow to anger as well. You know, how many explosive situations could have been avoided if we were just more ready to listen than to speak? You know, it's interesting, isn't it, as you look at the, the anatomy that, that we all have, we have, we have two ears to the one mouth. You know, I think God's trying to help us understand we should listen twice as much as we speak. Sometimes we, 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 we're not actually listening, we're just wanting to respond. And, and the Bible's saying, speak sparingly. You know, with that, we ought to speak after thinking. Proverbs 29, 20, look there, Proverbs 29, 20. Notice what the Bible says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. You know, when you study through the book of Proverbs, the worst person there is a fool. 
You, you study through it, it's always the fool that, that you just don't want to be the fool. But he's saying there's more hope of, in a fool than someone who's hasty with their words. Now, hasty means quick. You know, there's, there's some people who are just quick-witted. But sometimes there's just people who are just quick and they're dim-witted. And they're just quick. And they don't think. You know, I think sometimes we have a fear of silence. It's awkward, isn't it? It's awkward when there's no... You, you ever spoken to someone and they're just... You've asked them a question they're just looking at you? I remember years ago we were um, we were playing basketball. I think with the we were all teenagers and we went to Macca's as we did every time after uh, after basketball. We went and one of my mates, I think he just he just had a, a really full on game. So we were sitting standing there at the counter at Macca's and the 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 girl at the counter said, "Hey, what would you like?" And he just stood there and stared at the board. And he goes, excuse me, what would you like? And he goes, oh, sorry, I, I, don't, know I don't know what you sell. <laughs> I said, it's Macca's. <laughs> and he just was looking there and just was staring at that thing. And, and, you know, it's awkward when we have silence. But often what is needed is silence. Because what it is, you're thinking. You're thinking before you value your words too much to just speak whatever comes to mind. And the Bible speaks about not being hasty or swift to speak. Actually, the opposite, we need to be swift to hear. That means we ought to be thoughtful about what we say. You know, I think about the example in, in uh, one of the judges, in Judges chapter 11, we won't turn there, but Jephthah, you know, he made that vow before the Lord. He said, you know, whatever, if we win the battle, whatever comes through my door first, that I'm going to sacrifice to the Lord. And, and you know, uh, he spoke those words, and here's the point. You know, once you speak, you can't take it back. So you better be thoughtful about what you're about to say. You better just take a little bit of time, even if it was a microsecond, even if it was a couple of seconds, to just think about what you're about to say. Why? Because, again, you're under judgment for that. You know, things that you speak, you can't easily take back. And, and here in, in Jephthah's situation, he spoke, and he couldn't take it back. He vowed a vow. And your word, it ought always be, your word is your bond. And so we ought to have a mindset of uh, how frequently in the multitude of our words there wanteth not sin. How many times we put ourselves in compromised situations. Why? Because we just simply can't stop speaking. We simply haven't thought about we're about to say we fly off the handle and we speak emotionally and we speak without actual perspective and we're not thinking it's simple as that so how's the frequency of your words are you the type of person that just rattles off whatever comes and you're ill-disciplined in that well i want to tell you the bible's advising you otherwise saying be infrequent be more ready to listen than speak and this morning, we're just considering what the Bible has to say, and I, I wonder if, if you would just surrender to that. I wonder if we would just think about the next time we're having conversations, the next time you, you get emotionally involved in something. I wonder if you would just stop and, and check what you're about to say. 
the frequency of our words. Notice the next thing, the feature of our words. We're, again, going to look at a couple of laws here. You know, what should our words be known by? You know, there's certain things that in, in, when you go out and you're, you're looking for a certain, uh, certain item, there's certain brands that are known for something, aren't they? They, they have a history or they have some sort of reputation and we go towards those things because they have a good reputation. They have certain features that we know they have been proven over time and there's certain features that we like and, and so we invest in that. You know, we, we, we're willing to pay a cost for a certain thing. Why? Because we, we, want, um, we want that kind of characteristic or that feature in, a, in, in an item. You know, for, for us, we can go to someone and, and you know they have certain features of their words. You're going to go to someone that, you know, you want to be encouraged because they have a history of encouraging. You can go to someone who, if you wanted the latest goss, you can go to that person because, you know, they're the information superhighway. <laughs> There's certain features of our words. And, and you know, you... you, you you're known, aren't you, by your words? And our words, I'm saying, they come with greater consequence. And hence, we've got to look at the Word of God to see what features our word should have. In Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace, minister grace unto the hearers. And here's how we do that. Look at, look at Proverbs 12, 17. Proverbs 12, 17. Here's a couple of features that our, our words and our speech should be known by. Notice Proverbs 12, 17. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. Here's the first one, just this, speak honestly. Be truthful. Don't be deceptive. Don't be a false witness. In fact, in Ephesians 4, 4, 4.25, Wherefore put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Saying put away lying. Put away deceit. Put away those things that ought not to be a feature of your words. You know, we should be known as people who speak the truth in love. And, and, you know, sometimes it is difficult to speak the truth. Because sometimes the truth can, can put us in a, in a certain light. You know, we want to be known a certain way. And we want to, we want to put up with, you know, we want, to, we want to keep the appearances well. And yet sometimes the truth will, will set us in trouble. You know, as, a, as children, we've all been asked that question, did you do that? How many of us were willing to tell the truth straight away, even if it meant we were getting the spanking? You know, how easily do we concoct in our mind another variation of truth, which is a lie? And suddenly those things that, 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 that uh, you know, are truth, and yet the feature of our words ought to be full of truth. You know why? Because we, should be, we are people of truth. We stand on the truth of God's word. The Lord Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And we understand that, that what God has to say about deceit and about being a, a false witness. Look at Proverbs chapter 6 now. Proverbs chapter 6. And notice verse 16, and he's going to talk through things that he hates. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Says this, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief. And notice, he says it again. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Notice he says something twice. He says these six things he hates, and twice on that list, he says a lying tongue and a false witness that speaketh lies. He's he's not mincing words here. He's saying these things I hate. That, That strong language that the Lord is using. And he's saying here, lying tongue, a false witness. God hates it so much, he mentions it twice. I'll tell you that, that actually Satan is the father of lies. And whilst Jesus is characterized by truth, it also means that our words ought to be equal with our actions. You know, you ought to walk the walk and talk the talk. And our talk ought to equal our walk. You know, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6, the Bible says, not with eye service as men pleases, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. You know, our words shouldn't be incongruent to our actions. They should be equal. And we've got to take great care to speak honestly. If you're going to do the thing that you're going to do, say it or don't say it. In Proverbs chapter 26, go there. Proverbs 26. And notice verses, verses 20. Down to verse 22. It says, Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So, where there is no, notice the word talebearer, the strife ceaseth. You know, if there's strife, there's some talebearing. You know what talebearing is? It's just telling a story, it's concocting a story. It says, as coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. We won't take the time, but in other places, a talebearer separated the chiefest friends. Someone who, who just concocts a story. You know, someone who, who tells a lie to perpetuate it to cover perhaps themselves or to cover their own um, lack of character. And, and it, be careful if you're, that, if you're in the habit of being dishonest, you're a talebearer. You will cause damage. And you, you better take great care because the Bible advises us otherwise, speak honestly. Hey, sometimes the truth is hard to say, but the truth will set you free. And sometimes the truth matters too much for us to just tail and spin a different web of of lies. And by the way, God hates it. And so a feature of our words, we ought to speak honestly. You know, also though, we ought to speak graciously. 
In Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know what, how you ought to answer every man. And, you know, um, we ought to speak graciously. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, we ought to speak the truth in love. There's a balance. Sometimes we, we speak truth, but we also do damage because of the fact we have no grace. But we understand that the Lord Jesus, he was, he, he was full of grace and truth, mercy and truth. And, and we ought to speak graciously. We ought to speak words of truth in love. You know, how, 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 do, we, how do we go about when we have to be critical? You know, sometimes you have to be critical. Sometimes you have to speak things that are hard to be, uh, hard to, to be said. Maybe you, you, you've, you've noticed a, a certain characteristic that is lacking in someone, and, and out of love you, you see that, not, not just to harm them, but to actually help them. You know, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And sometimes you've got to speak to someone in regard to a truth, but you know, we ought to do it graciously. We ought to do it in a way that, that allows them to be reproved, re rebuked, but then also corrected on the mend. See, a wise person will use their words to build up and not to tear down. And we saw in Colossians 4, 6 that, that our speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. You know, salt, when you think about it, is a preserver. It's not a destroyer. And salt... Salt can erode, but always for the purpose of cleansing. And understand that it's all too easy to be critical and not speak graciously. In Proverbs 15.1, quickly look at that, Proverbs 15.1. We see the Bible says that it's a soft answer that turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. Ecclesiastes 10.12, the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow him up himself. And we already noted the Lord Jesus, how the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. You know, often he would speak to the Pharisees in a very hard way. But, you know, you think about those around him. You think about Nicodemus. You think about Joseph of Arimathea who were around those Pharisees, they were in that class of people. And they still, they still turned to Christ. But there were many who just couldn't take it. And what we see about that, sometimes we have this view of Christ, like he just spoke harshly. No, he spoke truth with love. He spoke graciously as well. And we see that that, that ought to be a feature of our words. You know, part of that too is speaking acceptably. The Bible says in Psalm 19, Verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know, we're not only accountable with our words. You know what accountability ought to bring? Acceptability. If we're accountable to God with our words, then we will speak truth. We will speak graciously, but it will be acceptable in his sight. And can I remind you this morning that, that although you might whisper those things and although it might not be seen even, or heard the words that we speak, there is one who will know. There is one who knows all. There is one who is ever-present in, in our moments of weakness, in our moments of, of ill character. 
And he's gracious, by the way, but he'll also correct. And we need to speak acceptably, and we, we ought to have the rule in the feature of our words that, that, that whatever comes out of our mouths is deemed acceptable by the King of kings, the Lord of lords. If he was in the room with you, would you utter those words? If he was right there, right next to you, would you be embarrassed? Would you feel foolish? Would you feel utterly disappointed in yourself if he was right there next to you? And by the way, he is, lest you forget. And so we ought to speak acceptably. And so speak honestly. We ought to speak graciously, speak acceptably. We ought to speak appropriately. You know, sometimes it's about the timing of the thing. The Bible says, look at Proverbs 25, verse 11. Proverbs 25, verse 11. Some of you, you haven't been in the book of Proverbs in a while. I'm filling your quota today. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. He says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. It's meant to be conveying this, this, this beautiful scene. And, and when we're, we're, we're speaking words that are fitted, words that are appropriate, it's, it's, it's like a work of art. You know, it's important to check not only if our words are right, but also if it's the right time to say it. It's, it there ought to be a, a mindfulness about the, the situation at hand. And, you know, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Right words in the right setting can give help. You know, sometimes we're, we're so quick to, to correct. You know, I, I was, my, my dad always taught, uh, taught me in, in a in a situation where you're, you're leading, he said, you know, you ought, to, you ought to praise in public and correct in private. And many times that, that, that you know, as you, 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 you work with your children and others, you, there, there ought to be a time and a place and, and, and right words in the right setting can give health. That's what's appropriate. In, in Proverbs 12, 18, look there. Proverbs 12, 18. says here, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. And, and we can speak, and we can injure, and we might even be speaking right things, but the tongue of the wise is health. Look, look at another place, look at Isaiah chapter 50. Look at Isaiah chapter 50. Now I like this verse, just verse 4. Notice what he says, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning, he wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. There's a lot that we can unpack there, but notice that, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. You know, we have that saying, you, you know, you, he's already down, you kick him down again. And we ought to just be mindful of the situation. We ought to be mindful of, of what is appropriate to say. And often that's the difference between someone who is an encourager and someone who's a discourager. And by the way, there's no such thing as the gift of discouragement. All right? That's not an office, by the way. If you specialize in that, probably look for something else to do. But, you know, all of us here, we, really the difference is this. 
just knowing what to say in the appropriate time. Yeah, sometimes it can be, you can wait on that. Sometimes it's just a situation. And in Proverbs 31, 26, you know, even the, the, the virtuous woman says about her, she openeth her mouth with, with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Hey, listen, um, all of us here, we, have the, we can have the propensity to speak inappropriately. We can at times have maybe even the right motive, but we're just not, not appropriate in the time. And, and sometimes, if I can say specifically here in, in Proverbs 31, 31 26 to, to ladies, you, you can be carried away with your emotion, and yet the Bible says about the tongue of a virtuous woman, it's filled with the law. It's tethered to kindness. That's the rule in her life. And we can, we can harm, we can injure our children and, our, and those around us, perhaps even our husband, with the kind of words, but her tongue, in her tongue, is a law of kindness. So the, another feature of our word is that we ought to speak up, uh, appropriately, we ought to speak respectfully. Hey, whatever happened to manners? <laughs> Listen, we ought to teach children manners. Right? They ought to say please, they ought to say thank you, and they ought to be kind with their words. Right? Speak respectfully. Speak respectfully. And those ought to be features. I wonder, again, if we were to, if, if you were to have your own personal brand of your words, what would be the features? If we took a survey of people who knew you and they listed down the feature of your words, what would they say? What would, what would they say? What would their, their, their evaluation of you be? These ought to be features in our words. But then lastly and really quickly, what is the focus of our words? Okay, what is the focus? You know, we, there ought to be a running theme in the things we say. You, if you ever studied, you know, some of you, you, we're all forced to study poetry and all different literature. Some of us actually liked it. Some of you, you just, you're glad you're done with that. But when you, you study that, and in fact, even when you study different books of the Bible, there's certain themes that run through each book. There's certain themes that, that come out. They're the focus of that book. And I wonder if we were to summarize our words into a book, and, and we gave it to someone to study, what would be the themes that are inherent in our words? Here's one. We ought to speak well of others. In James 4.11, speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But thou, but if thou judge the law, thou art not the doer, a doer of the law, but a judge. Say, speak not evil one of another. Now, how much harm do we do the, the, towards the cause of Christ because simply... We just, we just won't speak well of another brother in Christ. We just won't hold our tongue. We have to. And he's saying there that, that we ought not to speak evil one of another. Look at Titus chapter 3 really quickly. Titus chapter 3, look at verses 1 and 2. Put them. Someone asked me, how come you turn so quickly? Hey, listen, I bookmark, okay, ahead of time. 
That's that's my secret. I'm not that I'm not um, as spiritual as you think, but I'm just prepared. Verse one: Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. He's saying, put them in mind to remind them to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. The, the word evil is referring to a person's motive there. A person's motive to defame, to discredit, or injure someone's integrity or character. This is the person that will assassinate someone's reputation. He's saying, remind them not to do that. What, what it is, the focus of our words ought to be that we're speaking well of others. You know, gossiping about someone can sometimes come back to haunt you and worse. It displeases God. And, and can I remind you, who is the accuser of the brethren? Who is the slanderer? Satan, who is our enemy, is the one who speaks evil of us. Why would we help his cause? And we ought to be mindful. You know, here's another uh, focus. Not only should there be well-spoken, and, and you know, if you can't pay someone compliment, then you ought to, you ought to check your, your spirit between you and the Lord. We ought to have that. We, just, we ought to have that in us. You know, we ought to speak humbly of ourselves. It sort of comes together, doesn't it? Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. You know, I, sometimes the thing that we talk about the most is us. We just can't help it. And yet, the Bible is saying, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth. You know, it reminded of a, a story about the the pastor who got the humblest pastor award. And the problem was that he got the medal, but he wore it the next Sunday, all right? And sometimes, sometimes we can become praise mongers. We crave praise. And when we don't get it, we praise ourselves. When actually all praise belongs to the Lord. And here's some good advice. You need to die to criticisms but we need to die to compliments as well. And, and we ought to speak humbly of ourselves. We're supposed to deflect all the honor and praise to God. And we've got to take great care because at times, when we look at the summary of our lives, it's all about us. And we've got to take great care. The, the focus ought to be on the Lord. The focus ought to be on who He is. The focus ought to be in our conversations that we speak well of each other but then lastly, I wonder if we would just have the, the reality of speaking the gospel courageously. You know, one of the greatest blessings that we have in the fact that we can speak words is that we have the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder if that's a feature. I wonder if, again, you know, the, you can tell people, you can tell what your passions are when you start to talk to people. Right? You, you know that, that certain... There's certain people, they just love their, you name it, they love their sport. And, and I'm not saying all of that is wrong. But, but there ought to be a healthy dose of when, when again, if we were to, to evaluate our words, there ought to be a healthy dose of the gospel. You know, speaking about God, speaking about who He is, speaking the gospel courageously in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also for the Greek. You know, we ought to speak it courageously in, 
in witnessing and preaching. That ought to be a feature. And I wonder, even in our daily conversations with one another, do we speak of the gospel? When was the last time you had a healthy conversation about the Lord Jesus in your home? When was the last time you just, uh, you just opened Scripture and, and just in the morning perhaps had a good conversation about that with your spouse, something that you learned? And you know what that is? It's just the gospel. And I, w- I wonder if that would be a feature of our words. And, and you know, to this morning, I know we covered a lot of different laws. And if you took the notes, you'll have a good summary of that there. But, but here's what I'm saying. You know, as, as we, we end this series on sticks and stones, he, here's what I'm saying. Excellent speech is the hallmark of excellent character. You know, we ought to take great care of our words because our words, one day, they, they will be judged. And for us as believers, it'll be at the judgment seat of Christ. It'll be there where we stand and we won't lose salvation, but we may, may lose reward. There might be a burning up, and I, I dare you, I dare you this morning to yield your tongue to the use of God. And in doing so, you, you're going to achieve what we've spoken about, a level of maturity and discipline that will serve you well the rest of your life. Why? Because it's Christ-like. Because the Lord Jesus, He was known by His gracious words. He was known with the words that were both truthful and gracious and merciful. And, and what separated him, even as a young child, was the, the kind of words that he spoke. And you know what ought to separate us is the way we treat our words. Both the things that we broadcast out of our mouth and in our day, the things that we broadcast and the things we type, the, t- the things we text, And then deeper than that, even the things that we think. Because our words matter. Sticks and stones may break, won't break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Hey, listen, they do hurt. But you know what? As Christians, they can bring health too. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord God, for the time. And thank you, Lord, for just the fact that, Lord, you, you, you counsel us in so many areas of life. And then, Father, even in this area, so practical, so daily, so moment by moment, pray, Father, that already that we've, we've, allowed, we've allowed you, dear Lord, to, to examine our hearts, and then, Lord, to, that we've surrendered our tongue to be subject to you. And then, Father, as we take Scripture's advice, Lord, today was really, it ought to be straightforward for us. Help us then, Lord, to get some things right, and, Lord, to, to help our words to lend health, not hurt. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're just going to take our time as the piano plays. And I spoke already this morning about the fact that we ought to be about the gospel. And I wonder, firstly, if you're here today, if I were to ask you this question, if you were to die today, the Bible says that not to boast ourselves of tomorrow, for we know not what the day may bring forth. The Bible tells us it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. We don't know. We have no guarantee. But if you were to die today, would you know for sure if your sins are forgiven? Well, has there been a time where you, you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. No one is asking you to be a good person here. In fact, the Bible tells all of us, none of us are good. And so because of that, we needed a Savior. 
And Jesus came to save us. He came to, to change our eternal destiny from hell to heaven. And he's come, he's come to change us to be in his likeness. And th this, this time we've been challenged about our speech. And I wonder, for those of us who are saved, I wonder if, you're, if you would just evaluate your heart even now. If all of your words were written in a book, what would be the frequency, what would be the features, and what would be the focus of your words? I pray that all of it, all of it will just be pleasing and acceptable to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take our time as the piano plays. However you want to deal with the Lord this morning, maybe in your seat, maybe here at the altar uh, as the Lord leads you, and then we'll have, um, have a song and then we'll be dismissed this morning.